Brothers and sisters, would you turn to Matthew chapter 6? Matthew chapter 6. No kids yet. Uh, Matthew chapter 6. And if you, we do have pew Bibles actually uh, available now, even though they're not in pews, uh, chair Bibles. Uh, if you would like to use one in there, there, it is on page 811, Matthew chapter 6. And as you might remember, last week we had already talked on this, but I told you last week that we were really going to get in, drill down in on this topic of prayer, because it is a, a critical issue for us as Christians. How do we pray? So, um, Matthew chapter 6, we're going to be focusing on verses 5 through 18. But would, if you could, would you please stand with me if you're able for the reading of God's holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And we're going to, before we read, we are going to ask for God's help and God's blessing as we read his word together. Let's pray. Lord, what a privilege it really is that we can come to you in prayer. And that we, we trust that we do not have to do so thoughtlessly or heartlessly, but genuinely. So we come before you now and ask that you would be so gracious as to speak to us. Give us, Lord, ears to hear. And if we walk away, Lord, from this message, having learned nothing, it has not, no fault to do with your word or you, but it will be our fault. So we pray that you would work around and through and above all of our distractions and teach us, Lord, to pray. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The word of Christ speaks to us like this. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees you in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard with their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask them. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So there is something strange about prayer. We all do it. Prayer is natural, it's, it's instinctive, and if I dare say this, it is even natural and instinctive, 
even to atheists. There was a, a study done in 2018 in England uh, that found that one in five non-religious people pray. Non-religious people pray. It said, told this story about Henry, who was a self-described agnostic. He kneels beside his bed every night and prays, beginning with the Lord's Prayer before praying for his loved ones. He said he has no idea, he has no idea if God heard his prayers and said the act of praying did not make him feel better. He said, quote, I wonder why I don't stop doing it. Sometimes I feel like it's kind of hypocrisy. On the other hand, we all find prayer hard. It's difficult. I find the honesty of Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones refreshing. He said this, There's nothing that tells the truth about us as Christian people so much as our prayer life. Everything we do in the Christian life is easier than prayer. Some of you are going, no, I find prayer really easy. The rest of us go, yeah, I'm with you. This is really a, a difficult discipline of life. In his book, The Praying Life, which I can't highly recommend enough, uh, Paul Miller uh, lists some reasons why prayer is so hard. And here's some of the reasons he's listed. The minute we pray, all kinds of other things crowd our minds. Do you ever find that? When you're, when you're praying and then all of a sudden, dear Lord, and all of a sudden the cat knocks something off the kitchen table or, or your kids start screaming over here and you, or you forgot that you had something on the stove. All of a sudden your mind is just cluttered with all these other things. Another reason, he said, is that we're confused about what even makes a really good prayer. What should I be praying that makes it a good prayer? He said uh, prayer can be, quickly become dull. We make a list, but then we get bored just even praying through our regular list. He said that we, we're used to being busy. Taking time to pray seems so hard when there's so many things to do. I could be better using my time cleaning, working, and doing these other things. He said this, nothing seems to happen. If our prayers are answered, we wonder if it if it would have happened anyway. If they're not answered, why did we even pray? And then the last one, when we pray, nobody responds. How do we even know that God is listening? So I don't know if you can relate to any of these, but that's the funny thing. That's the, what's funny about prayer is that we, we can't not pray there's something inside us that compels us, recognizes that there is a God above and beyond us who is working. So we, we, we are felt, feel compelled, but at the same time, we don't know how to pray. Prayer is the hardest, one of the hardest things that we do as a Christian. So what does Jesus do? He recognizes that. And that Jesus says, listen, I want to give you a template of how to pray. I want to coach you along to know how you can pray. So he's teaching us how to flourish and how to live really well. He wants us to live in such a way that our inner worlds actually match up with our outer worlds. We, so that we just don't pretend to love people, but we really do. So that we don't pretend to love God by playing religious games, 
But we love God from our heart. So Jesus is teaching us from the very beginning. Listen, you should not be showing off in prayer. He doesn't want us to pray to impress other people, which seems really foolish in, in a way, right? Imagine if, listen, if I took Laura out for dinner, a really nice dinner, a place downtown that I really love, a steak place, really fancy, spend like 300 bucks per person on an amazing meal, a great bottle of wine, and uh, Laura says, why, why, why the special occasion? This is really a lot. This is elaborate. This is really decadent. This is amazing. And I said, well, why? Because I thought I would really want to impress all of my friends. That uh, I can't wait to see them to see what a great husband I am. Why in the world would I sacrifice what matters the most, intimacy with someone that I care about for the applause of a crowd? And that's what Jesus says. When it comes to the way that you pray, let, let's not do it for the, the praise of a crowd. When we try to impress other people with our devotion to God, we lose the approval of the one who loves us most dearly, whose opinion really counts. So Jesus doesn't just say to avoid showing off in prayer. Jesus is going to teach us how to pray. So I'm going to try to be as practical as possible. Jesus gives us some real practical advice on how to pray. So let's get started. The first thing is that Jesus says we pray in private. We pray in private. Look at verse 6. But when you pray, go into your room, shut your, the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees you in secret, He will reward you. So let's just make this simple. Let's make this easy. We need to develop a habit of actually being alone, being able to pray alone. When nobody knows, when nobody is holding your feet to the fire to pray, and we need to do this for the rest of our lives. Because when you do this, when, when nobody will even know that you are doing this, somebody will. God. God will. And the reward could not even be greater because the one who sees you in secret will reward you. God will reward you for the prayers that you do in private. Everything in, inside of you fights this. Go into a quiet room. Go into your prayer closet and pray. You don't feel like doing it a lot of the days, but this is a habit that is worth pursuing. A habit that will pay off like you won't believe. So how do we create this habit of praying in secret? I don't want to be too prescriptive because some of us love just Paul tell me five simple things to do and I will go home and do these five simple things. I don't want to be overly prescriptive but because your life will probably look different than my life. But I'm reading this book by a guy named B.J. Fogg, and he, he wrote a book about uh, building habits in our lives. And the book is called Tiny Habits. And he recommends that we begin small. Ridiculously small. He says, man, start off with a 10-second habit. All it takes is 10 seconds. 
You will not fail at that 10-second habit. But keep doing that 10-second habit, and you can find it building into a 30-second habit, a a 5-minute habit, an hour-long habit. He says, but you've got to start small. Don't try by... This is what I've done before. I, I try getting into this prayer habit and I want to do I want to pray for a half an hour I'll tell you what at the by minute two I'm just going I have failed miserably already or you want to do a day-long prayer retreat after a while you just find yourself skipping stones on the lake that you're taking the prayer retreat you failed Begin by praying for 30 seconds, a minute, and build from there. And and if you want to go longer, fine, but keep your goal small to start off with and keep on building it. Start to pray in private for a few minutes a day. And Jesus says that if we do this, if you do this, we will get the greatest reward of all, the reward that can only come from God himself earthly blessings and a joy that cannot be taken away you will receive the gift of god himself the greatest gift so pray in private but there's another one the second one is we pray simply i love how jesus tells us to pray And when you pray, don't heap up empty phrases like the Gentiles do, for they think that with many words, their their words are going to be heard. Don't be like them, for your Father even knows what you need before you ask. Jesus says, listen, avoid praying to impress people. And he says, listen, I want you to even avoid praying by using a formula. Thinking that, if we just get these formulas, these words right, somehow we are going to impress God. Some non-Jews seemed like they were, that the quantity of their words, if I could get like 15,000 word, a 15,000 word prayer, surely the deity will hear me. Word count does not matter to God. It's not about a ritual. It's not about getting the right words or the right number of words. Pray simply, Jesus says. Simply express what is on your heart. Sometimes the simplest prayer is the best prayer. Hear that. If I would ask any person in here, hey, would you come on up and would you pray for the congregation? I am sure that uh, 98% of you would go, no, nah, I'm just not comfortable. I, I, I'm not a really good prayer. The work of prayer is a simple work. It's the pouring out of our heart. And Jesus assures us that we don't have to get the words right. God already even knows our needs. The goal of prayer is not to tell God something he doesn't know or to convince him to hear The goal of prayer is to commune with God, to be with Him, a God who already knows and a God who already cares. I love what Jared Wilson writes in his book called The Imperfect Disciple. He said this, look, prayer is spilling your guts. It doesn't have to be pretty. It doesn't have to be tidy. It doesn't have to be particularly eloquent or even particularly intelligent. To which we should all say, Amen. 
He said, spilling our guts in prayer is how we process God's words to us. Prayer is how we interact with our friend Jesus. I want you to think about the relationship with your spouse or your best friends or your neighbors. Do you think, what great, grandiose words or how many words can I use to woo my wife or to talk with my friends over the back, backyard fence? Do you do that? No, you just go out and say, hey, neighbor, how are you doing? It's great to see you. Honey, I love you. Can we never have squash again? It's just simple conversations. And God is saying, listen, I don't need eloquence. I don't need lofty words or number words. Just spill your guts. Pray, commune with me. And we can do this, right? We, if something is on your mind, tell God about it. And Paul, the Apostle Paul says this in Philippians chapter 4, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. Whatever your, your prayer request is, God knows. He cares. So whatever is on your mind, tell God about it. Don't dress it up. Just speak to Him. Talk with Him. Don't think that you have to have the right words. Just tell God, this is on my mind. I've had a conversation with somebody in our congregation who just says, I, I, these words, can God handle these words? Yes, he can. Spill your guts. Share them. He desires to commune with you. But there's a, a third thing that we, we learn about prayer. Right, Rachel? The third thing is we pray about all of life. You might just think that because what Jesus is saying, that prayer, prayer can maybe be freestyle, right? Freestyle prayer. That we can just pray however we want to. Well, you can be right with that and wrong. We can pray about whatever is on our mind. But it's helpful sometimes to have a structure of how do, we, how do we pray to God so that we have something to actually kind of build our prayers on. And so Jesus offers us a model of prayer. This is a model that we can begin building our own prayer. So I want to be clear about this. The Lord's Prayer is a wonderful prayer, and some of us even know it, know it with the these and the thous in it, Right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, right? So we, we know it, but just so you know, it is a model. It is not an incantation. It is not something that we do just without thinking. It is a model that Jesus has graciously given to us. One commentator said this, the Lord's prayer stretches from the Father at the beginning. There is a wasp right there. Yeah. Tick him off. Uh, focus. The, Father, the Lord's Prayer stretches from the Father at the beginning to the devil at the end, from heaven to hell, and in between, in the six brief petitions, everything important in life. Jesus gives us this model, not as a, a mantra or a Christian incantation to mi be mindlessly repeated, but it is a model for us to build on. And it's divided into two sections. Prayers about God, and then prayers about people. 
when it comes to God, Jesus tells us to begin to approach God as our Father. Did you even notice? It's not, my Father who art in heaven. It's almost a prayer that is meant to be prayed together. And it hints at, hey, our Father who art in heaven. It's, we, it's a prayer. That we, it's Jesus saying from the very beginning, you should be praying together. So when the elders call you together to pray, you should say, absolutely. Because he is our God and our Father. And Jesus said, listen, we're, we're so used to saying this that we tend to forget how amazing this really is. There's two ways to look at God. One is to see him as the supreme ruler of the universe. And he is ruling with an iron fist. All things are under his control. And he is, of course. The other way to see him is as our father. The amazing thing that Jesus tells us to approach God as a father, as someone who is intimately connected to us and who cares about all the details of our lives. Some of you have grown up in households where your father was absent, disconnected, more concerned about work and his social life than anything else. I'm going to tell you, that is not our Father. He cares about you. He knows you intimately. He knitted you together in your mother's womb. You matter to God. God knows you. He cares. And he has, listen, he has all the time in the world for you. So when it comes to the content of this model prayer, let's keep it simple. First, a prayer about God. Prayer like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We'd forget this if Jesus didn't tell us to do this. That's why we need the structure that Jesus gives us. First of all, he reminds us who we are praying to. Our Father in heaven. And if he is really our, our Father in heaven, the personal God of love and, and powerfully revealed in Jesus Christ, the creator of all, who cares about his creature, he has made and the children he has redeemed, then and only then is it, does it become possible and essential to give his concerns priority and to become preoccupied with his name, his kingdom, his will. If that is who he really is, our full attention needs to be given to him. We are to pray that God's reign becomes a full reality. Right now we live, according to 1 John, we live in this condition where it's called the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know, just look at, look at the news. You go, are you serious? This is more than broken. It is destitute. It is hopeless. The whole world is under the power of the evil one. And that is why life is hard. Pray and long for the day where heaven fully invades earth. Where there's no more garbage that makes life hard. Pray for Jesus to come and set this world straight. John Stott says to pray that his kingdom may come is to pray both that it may grow as though the church's witnesses as the church church's witness people submitting to Jesus and that 
Soon it would be consummated when Jesus returns in glory to take his power and his reign. So Lord, make a change here. Lord, would you come soon? Because we long for that day. Being a, a, a Dutchman, the Heidelberg Catechism says this. It says, what does the second petition mean? That your kingdom come. It means this. Your kingdom come means rule us by your word and spirit in such a way that more and more we submit to you. So it's not just, Lord, may your kingdom come for them. It, Lord, may your kingdom come and invade my life. Change me from the inside out. And it goes on to say, preserve your church and make it grow. That's what happens when God's kingdom comes. He preserves His church. He cares for His church. But it also grows. Then it goes on to say, destroy the devil's work. Destroy every force which revolts against you and every conspiracy against your holy word. Do this until your kingdom fully comes when you will be all in all. Man, I long for that day, don't you? Lord, would your kingdom come more fully in Manhattan, in the Lincoln Way area, across Illinois, because God knows we need help in our nation. We need help, Lord. Would your kingdom come more fully, work through your church. May men, women, and children receive Jesus Christ. Build your church, Lord. So it's not just praying about God. It's also praying about people. Pray about life. God cares, actually cares about your everyday life. First, it says, give us this day our daily bread. So pray about your needs. This is an expression of ultimate dependence upon God for today. Give me, Lord, just give me my daily bread. I'm not going to worry about tomorrow and my 401k. Lord, would you just take care of me today? Jesus wants his followers to be conscious of the day-to-day dependence on God our Father. Are you? Are you? Pray for daily bread. Pray for God's daily provision of your basic needs. And then... It goes on to say, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. This has nothing to do with your credit report or who owes you money. This is praying for your sins and relationships. And the reality is Jesus knows you pretty well. He just assumes that we are going to mess up. And instead of hiding from God, he says, man, bring it to God. Forgive my debt, Lord. As you've forgiven me, may I forgive those who have sinned against me. Bring your worst to God. Tell him everything. He's not shocked. He is actually ready to forgive. Then there's a prayer for protection. And lead us not into temptation, but to deliver us from evil. Jesus isn't saying that God is intentionally tempting you. God cannot do evil. 
James 1 tells us that he doesn't do that. He says, teach us to pray for strength to resist temptation, for strength and deliverance from temptation when Satan comes in at us. Lord, give me the strength. Give me the power. Deliver me from that. So listen, if you are struggling with any area in your life, our temptation is to struggle on our own. If I just push through, if I just carry the burden, and Jesus is saying, don't do this. Ask God for help. Tell him you're struggling. He wants to help you. I love this prayer because brings all of our life under God. And you'll notice that this model of a real Christian prayer is meant to be prayed, my friends, with each other. With one another. The words are in second person. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. It is a communal prayer. So we've got to be praying in secret. But can I encourage you as, as households, as missional communities, as, as a church, learn to pray together. Pray in private. Pray simply. Pray about all of life. But there's one more thing. And this for me, as I'm reading through it, felt like the zinger from Jesus. His last thing is this. He's saying, I want you to tie your prayers to how you actually live. You would expect Jesus to kind of finish his teaching on prayer by saying, all right, that's it. You just do these little things and it's all going to be good. But he doesn't do this. Jesus finishes with a surprising statement. He says this. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. What is this all about? It's a variation of the very same theme that Jesus has been talking about this entire sermon. If grace has truly invaded your life, Jesus insists that our insides actually, actually match our outsides. Our insides should match our outsides. We know that God forgives only those who are truly penitent, whose hearts are broken, and they ask for help. One of the chief evidences of a truly penitent heart is a forgiving spirit. If any of us is harboring bitterness and anger and refuse, refuse to forgive a brother, a sister, a co-worker, a husband, a wife, a child, there may be a very good chance that your inner being is not, your outer being is not matching. Or maybe they truly are matching. Once our eyes are opened to see the enormity of our offense, our sins before our God, then the injuries which others have done to us will ultimately 
seem extremely negligible. When we see the gravity of our sins before God and recognize that He has forgiven me, He, forgive, he forgave me of all that, and I refuse to forgive my neighbor, something is wrong in our heart. Maybe we have an exaggerated view of the offense of other people, but it truly shows that we have minimized our own sin against God. And the reality is, God will not put up with us praying and ignoring his concern for our personal relationships. God actually cares. We cannot claim to be forgiven if we do not extend forgiveness to others. So for some of you, even as we consider coming to the Lord's Supper, some of you maybe need to consider whether or not you are willing to forgive somebody. And maybe the, the first thing that you need to do when we come to the Lord's Supper is to make a phone call and just say, hey, I know this is broken. Our relationship is, uh, is in a really bad place, but I'm calling not fix things right now, but I'm just calling to say, I forgive you. And I'm admitting my own wrong. I am so sorry. Do that first. Leave your offering. Go reconcile. Forgive others. Recognizing how much God has forgiven you. So who is it this morning? In your head. Don't say it out loud. Who is it this morning that God is saying, you have been harboring this unforgiveness for this long? It is time, Paul. It is time, for you to forgive them. Because bitterness is a horrible tenant in your heart. Have any of you experienced that? The, how bitterness is a terrible tenant? Taking up space? God's saying, forgive them. So Jesus wants us to pray. It, and our prayer needs to spill out into all of our lives. And so here's the conclusion. When we pray privately, we are to be simple about our lives and we need to tie them all together. And the amazing thing about prayer is this, that we have been given the most perfect prayer and it takes this prayer takes only about 20 seconds to pray. It's, it's so simple that a child can understand it. And a child can memorize it. And Jesus has in some way kind of put this prayer on the bottom shelf so it's actually accessible. It's easy to reach at and, and pull out. It's an accessible prayer because he knows how hard it is for us to pray. And he's made it, he's made it as easy as possible. And, but don't get me wrong, prayer is hard. Not because it's complicated. Jesus knows us, knows everything about us. And we need to know that prayer is right there and it's accessible. Just do it. Start off simple. 
But here's the amazing, other amazing thing. God actually wants to hear from us. He's not this unapproachable God who's so far up there, busy with all the, the things of the world that he doesn't have time. Listen, we are seriously outmatched here in this world. There's you and I. The, we are little insignificant kind of specks in a world with, where there are billions of people in a universe with hundreds of billions of galaxies. And God is managing all of those things. He knows all these people. He is right now knitting a baby together in some mother's womb right now. And the, the amazing thing is that we have this timeless, holy, all-powerful, holding all together kind of God. And He not only cares for us, but He sent His Son to give His life for us. He invites you, not as an insignificant person, to just manage he invites you as an adopted son or daughter. He's inviting us into a relationship by trusting Him. And He invites you to come, actually come, because He cares for you. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the gift of being adopted as children. We were even reminded in, in our assurance of pardon that we have received the spirit of adoption as sons, where we can even cry out, Abba, Father. We are children of God, and therefore we are heirs. So Father, we thank You for your, your love for us, bringing us into Your family. We recognize, God, Your, your holiness, Your otherness, Your power, Your splendor, Your beauty, Your ability to be all places at all times. You are all-powerful, all-knowing, and You know our brokenness, O Lord. We pray that Your kingdom would invade our lives in such a way that we would desire to kill the sin in our lives and come more alive in Christ. Lord, may Your kingdom come and Your will be done in our marriages, in our friendships, in our dating relationships, in our workplaces. God, would Your kingdom come? And would Your will be done in us and through us? Lord, help us to trust You for our daily needs. Help us to trust You even for our retirement someday. Help us to trust You today with our kids. Help us to be faithful in discipling them, to love them. God, we, we pray that we would trust You. You are the great giver and provider. And God, may we be 
amazing forgivers. Would you forgive us our sins? Those that we are fully aware of and we do so well at hiding. Forgive us of the sins that we don't even know that we're committing but are still an offense to you. And God, may our insides match our outsides. May we recognize the grace that has been poured out to us, the forgiveness that we have received at the cross of Christ. And may our desire to be, as we've been forgiven, may we be a forgiving, grace-filled people. So protect our hearts, God. When tempted, would you preserve us? When running astray, would you call us back by your hand of discipline? Be merciful to us, God. May the gospel be formed more perfectly in us starting today help us to live as grace-filled people looking to you as our father this we pray in jesus name amen